Life Church, how you feeling? Amen. I heard that. I heard Pastor Ryan. I know you aren't clapping because you're happy to see me. You just want to get out of here. Well, I'm going to reverse everything you said. I hope you feel anxious. I hope you feel afraid. I hope you're nervous. Oh, my God, what is this black guy going to say today? Like, holy cow, what's going on? No, it's good to be with you guys. I missed you. Yeah, we love life. Church, this is my beautiful bride, Tiffany, over here. We have a Starbucks romance because I call her my sexy caramel macchiato. And she says, come on, my special dark roast. And yay, that's how we get down. So Friday, we celebrated five years of marriage. Amen. And she, listen, she loves Life Church to the point where she's like, dude, you got to preach there on our anniversary weekend. I got you, baby. So, hey, we're elated to be with you. Let's shout out to Dr. Cole, wherever he is. I told, uh, yeah. Don't you love your pastor? I told, uh, I told the previous services, I'm so superficial because the thing that attracted to me was he dressed really nice. Um, but, hey, then after I met him, I was like, yeah. So thank you, Ted. We appreciate you helping that brother out. Let's give it up for Tammy. Amen. Come on. Oh, you can do better than that. Amen. I say this often, Tammy. I think so many people covet the anointing because they don't understand the process. And so often what they see is the platform, but they don't see the process. So thank you for your faithfulness and your commitment to ministry. I want to thank your children for allowing, sharing your parents with the ministry. And so as a pastor, that's near and dear to my heart. Amen. Who's ready for a word this morning? Amen. Amen. You want to work? Yeah, I tried to do a sermon, but that's not the way God gave it to me. So can I give it to you like he gave it to me? And I just have a word from the Lord. Amen. Oftentimes you'll see in scripture when there was a word released, things begin to change. I'm tired of coming to church and leaving the same way we came and checking off saying, hey, I was there on Sunday. We need life change. Amen. I want to preach for Monday. I'm not preaching for today. I'm preaching for Monday. Amen. Because the power is given at the altar to fight the battles that happen at the door. Hello, somebody. So don't go to work Monday and binding up. In the name of Jesus, I bind up my supervisor. No, I'm not saying that. Just, no, there's this black preacher. And he said, no, no. I will deny you like Peter denied Christ. <laughs> like, well, no problem with that. Hey, I have a word for the Lord for you this morning. I'm excited to continue on in the Empty Promises uh, 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 series of messages that we're going uh, to go through this month. I want to preach to you a message titled, Not for Sale. Everyone say that. Say, Not for Sale. Now look at your neighbor and say, Not for Sale. Now look at that person you tried to awkwardly avoid the first time and say, not for sale. Isn't that the most awkward part of the service, especially for introverts? It's like suicide. Oh, God. I'm an introvert. I will do church all day until that fellowship time. It's like, oh, God. You know, anxiety creeps in. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Genesis. I want to preach from the beginning of the Bible this morning. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. If you're looking for it in scripture, the book of Genesis is also behind the book of Table of Contents. Um, you laugh. Every service, somebody needed that. There's a, oh, okay. Genesis, amen? Genesis. And I'll be preaching this morning uh, from Genesis chapter 25. Um, yes, as Pastor Ryan said, last time I came, 
Um, I was an associate pastor at Parkland. Now I'm a senior pastor. And what's crazy about it was I got the call like the Sunday we left. It was Sunday night. We left last time speaking at Life Church. So I'm a little leery because I'm like, God, last time I spoke here, you messed my life up. Please don't do it again this time, man. But hey, it was awesome. And people say, well, hey, did, were you ready for it? Did you expect it? Absolutely not. And I, I, I just, um, I said, sometimes God is ready even if you're not. Amen? And it's all about obedience. And, you know, hey, David left home as a Jimmy John delivery boy, and he came back a UFC champion. Amen? He was going to deliver lunch. Boom, in comes Goliath. You never know the opportunity you might be walking into. I'm just going to leave that there for somebody. So you got to stay ready. Amen? So we love that. It's, it's, at the, it's at the corner of 10th and Wisconsin. Currently, we meet in the Big Red Church there, and it's a, just a beautiful place. Um, for people of all walks of life. And so we're enjoying the journey and that step of faith. But hey, we're at Life Church this morning and it's about to go down. Amen. Genesis chapter 25. This morning I'm going to be looking from verses 29 to 34. Genesis chapter 29, 25, forgive me, verses 29 through 34. The Bible says this Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in uh, from the open country famished. Keep that word in mind. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why it is also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank. And then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Somebody say, oh, snap. <laughs> Turn with me also to the book of Psalms. My favorite portion of scripture in the Bible. Psalms. Psalms. I just relate to it, right? Because sometimes you're up, you're down, you're left, you're right. And David, he wrote through it all. Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Starting in verse 23. I love this. Search me. Everyone say that with me. Search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Yes, yes, yes. That's not just a prayer for people who don't know Jesus. That is a prayer for people who know Jesus, and you need to pray that each and every day. Amen? Search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. As much as I love Jesus, I still fall victim to my humanity and my carnality. Hello, so I'm not the only one in this place. Search me, oh God. Not for sale. What just happened? I read you two portions of scripture. Let's start with the portion from Genesis. We see this in Genesis. We see two brothers. We see Esau and we see Jacob. Esau is the older brother. Jacob is the younger brother. See, Esau was like you and I. He had a hookup simply because of who he belonged to. I'm gonna let you put that in your Christian pipe and smoke it later. He had a hookup simply because of who he belonged to. Can I talk about grace this morning? Hello, somebody. Sometimes it's not about what you do. It's just because you belong to the Father. So therefore, there's some things that are passed on to you because you were born. That's grace. You don't deserve it. You just, hey, I'm here. Esau had what they call a birthright. A birthright was the very thing they gave to uh uh, sons, boys in the Bible, and it was always given to the eldest son. 
okay? The birthright was property. The birthright was provision. The birthright was influence. The birthright meant that, hey, you are now the spiritual leader for your family. And check this out. Every amount of success and provision that your father was granted, you get that times two simply from coming out first. That's a hookup. I like free stuff. Hey, believe it or not, I had to ask God to search my heart because everything in me wanted to leave with like 50K cups from the back. But I said, you can't, can't do it. Search me. Know my heart. <laughs> you know, man. Okay. You can take the brother out of Milwaukee. You just can't take Milwaukee out. Pray, 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 pray. Esau, what are you doing, bro? Jacob says, hey, I got something for you. Give me your birthright. Esau was a man of the field. He was a hunter. He was a wild. He was a burly man. He was a hairy man. He was just, hey, he was all about. He was all about it. He was a man's man. He was famished. He was weary. He was tired. Brother came home and smelt something good cooking. And watch this. He gave a birthright for a bowl of Campbell's chunky soup. A birthright, Campbell's chunky soup. A birthright, Campbell's chunky soup. Makes no sense. You know what's crazy? Can I just, just, can I just be your chocolate pastor today and just speak life into you? I'm so tired of seeing the people of God give away the very thing that he bestowed upon them, has placed on the inside of them for an immediate decision that's right in front of them. Empty promises. Birthright chunky soup. Are you kidding me right now? I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? See, so many of us struggle from what I call the Esau mindset. What's the Esau mindset? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. The Esau mindset is this. You could become so captivated by the present that you can forget the promise. That's a tweetable testimony. I dropped this, but it's real expensive. <laughs> you could become so captivated by the present that you forget the promise. Because of your humanity and your carnality, sometimes you forget God's sovereignty. And I'm overwhelmed, and there's a lot going on, and I'm stressed out right now, and this is too much that is happening. And how many know that, hey, when it seems like when bad things begin to happen, it can feel like a ripple effect, right? And it is one thing after another, and it's like, dude, what is going on? And I'm tired, but watch this. The Bible says he was famished. He was already at his lowest point. He was worn out. And he said, Forget everything God has promised me. Forget that what was bestowed upon me. I need a quick fix. I got another one for you. This is, this is, about to, this is good. Y'all came to the good. I'm about to drop bars in here today. This is the good service. You ready for this? Hey, you have a crockpot God. Stop approaching him with a microwave mindset. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. See, sometimes it's not good to settle 
with what's right in front of you. I don't know about you, but I've come to this place in my walk where I know, listen, God, what you have for me is better than what I can take. I'm tired of empty promises because in you, God, the promises of God are yes and amen. Esau, what are you doing? There's two aspects of this I want to look at. Let's talk about this thing I call the pressing place. The pressing place. The pressing place. It wasn't the fact that Esau just approached his brother. You got to look at the mindset that he came to his brother with. The Bible says he was famished. Some translations say weary. This means, listen, I'm overly tired. I'm two steps away from throwing in the towel. I've tried everything I knew how to do. Can I tell you this this morning? You're more susceptible to the enemy when you're already tired, when you're already weary, when you got a lot going on. Because he knows in that moment he can get your mind off of God and your mind on problem, and problem seems to be bigger than God. You're susceptible. In my household, we, we live by an analogy. It's called HALT. H-A-L-T. HALT. Watch this. We don't deal with problems and issues. We don't even have discussions. If we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I'll even add another one. The S, stressed. Why? Because when you're in that state, you're not thinking rational. And you may say something in that space that you wish you hadn't said. You may do something in that space that you wish you hadn't done. I bet if Esau could do this all over again, he would have took a moment and paused. But the enemy loves it because he reigns in that. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your purpose. He wants to kill your future. And he wants to destroy your anointing. For what looks like a good opportunity right in front of you. Why? Because I'm weary. Here's the crazy thing about the pressing place. It happens to everybody. This happens to people that don't know Jesus, but this happens to those of us who've walked with the Lord a long time. If there's one thing we can't escape, that's life. That means things happen that we don't prepare for. Things happen that catch us off guard. Things happen that blindside us. And because we're human, we feel it. And this is overwhelming. But the thing that breaks my heart is when people are in that place, they forget about everything the Father has given them. And they feel that I will never make it past this moment. And I can never get past this moment. So listen, they make permanent decisions in a temporary season. The pressing place. Watch this. Listen. Hey, everyone at my job tells me they love me. Men at my job, they comment me and they tell me how beautiful. I can go home, but my own husband won't even talk to me. And let me know he appreciates me. Pastor, I'm in a pressing place. And you know what? When they compliment me, it actually feels good. And there's men in here that say, man, everywhere I go, I'm applauded. And they tell me how good I am. And when I go home, all I hear is what I'm not good at and what I'm not doing. I'm in a pressing place. The pressing place is a place of decision. Will you choose life or will you choose death? And I'm forgetting everything that God has already stored up for me and everything that he's hooked me up for. But this thing right in front of me right now in this moment looks too appeasing. 
depressing place. Anybody ever had financial problems in here? I know I have. There's some times, guys, I had more month than I had money. <laughs> Bills that are coming in. Car begins to break down. Someone in the family gets sick. Oh, man, I forgot about the copay. Like, there's too much coming at me at once. Lord, I just something needs to give. But at the same time, I don't want to bug people and tell them I'm really in need. I have a choice to make. Sometimes it may be appeasing to ask, let's maybe take what doesn't belong to me. Or maybe let's launder some money because I'm just in a tight spot right now. Things are tough for me. I'm in a pressing place. It's overwhelming. Maybe it's an inward issue. Depression, anxiety, insecurity. And in this moment, I just need to feel loved. I just need to feel appreciated. I just need to feel affirmed. I'm in a pressing place. I have a decision to make. But my friend, you can't forget what the Father has already promised you. How do I, I get excited. You know why I get excited about communion? Because communion is the tangible place where I get to understand what Jesus has done for me with the sacraments. Oh, you don't believe me? By his stripes we are healed. What happened at the cross, the veil was torn. That means I have access to the holies of holies and there's nothing separating me through Jesus. That's the most beautiful thing. And why do I say this? Because sometimes I have to remind myself what happened at the cross. The next time you feel overwhelmed, you better remind the devil what happened at the cross. The next time you get anxious, you better tell the devil, I, I embrace the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, and it guards my heart, and it guards my mind. I'm in a pressing place. You know what I love about this? Jesus, Jesus also knew what it felt like. Everything we face, he faced. You don't believe me in the Bible, in the book of Luke, it goes on and it reads, it says that then Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, in Matthew, the Bible says this, Matthew 4, the Bible says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. If I don't eat in four hours, I'm tripping. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You think Jesus don't know what it feels like to be in the press? He won. Guess what? This, this is going to blow your mind. I read the end of the book. We win. <laughs> Hello. Can I just speak life to somebody? This too shall pass. What is this momentary, momentary affliction in the weight of glory, my friend? We've won. But when you're in the pressing place, you don't get a glimpse of God's sovereignty because you're just engulfed with what's happening around you. Pressing place. That's why I say, search me, oh God. Know my anxious thoughts. God, you got to do a double check. I love you, but I, each and every day I can fall victim to my own humanity. And I know what it feels like to be in the pressing place. But the thing that kills me about this empty promise is people completely walk away from what God has for them because they settle for the very thing that's in front of them. The pressing place. There's another component that I want to talk about, about this. I want you to ask yourself the question, what's on the inside? What's on the inside? What's on the inside? Why do I say that? What's on the, what's on the inside? 
You need to ponder these things. Can I just encourage you in the midst of your devotion, can you have meditation time as well? If the problem is with our culture, sometimes we don't shut up enough to let God speak. <laughs> Pastor, I want a prophetic word. I got one. Shut up. <laughs> He's talking all the time. <laughs> Meditation. Reflect on the word. Search me, O oh God, and know. Search me, God. There's some things that are in me, God, that aren't like you, God. And if they're in me, they need to get out, God, because I need to be a conduit for your spirit to flow through me. Search me, God. Can I tell you this? God is not just a God of the common, the communal, or the collective. He's a God of the crevice, too. I'll break that down real practical and real ghetto so y'all can get that. God just don't care about what's happening in public. He cares about what's happening in private. He cares about the sinful thought. He cares about the sin-scarred nature. He cares about the lust. He cares about the greed. He cares about the insecurity. He cares about the bitterness. He cares about the unforgiveness. He cares about it. What's on the inside of me? We saw this in Matthew chapter 4. Why do you say this? Because when you're in the pressing place, what's in you comes out of you. And sometimes you get a true gauge of someone's character when you watch them go through the pressing place. Matthew 4, it happened to Jesus, but what came out of Jesus was the word of God. My friend, when you're in a pressing place, my question is what comes out of you? Jesus knows about this pressing place. Even in the book of Luke, it gives, it gives, it gives vivid details. You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? The Garden of Gethsemane was a crazy place. It was full of rocks and thorns and, and thistles. It was a place where no other fruit would grow except for olives. Can I talk about Jesus, man? It was a place where no other fruit would grow except for olives pressing place. This was the very place that Jesus prayed before the arrest. And what did he say? God, take this cup away from me. He was in agony to the point where it said his sweat was like blood. I'm in a situation that I don't prefer. I'm in a situation that's difficult, God, and it's, things are coming around me, Lord, and part of me is battling. Here's what I love about Jesus, because you see the divine wrestle with the humanity in the garden. Jesus, oh God, please don't let this happen. Not my will. Your will be done. This may not feel good, God, but I realized what the Father has given me. He's given me eternal life for everyone who walked into the 1045 service this morning at Life Church. And so I can't risk messing this up. He's given me healing for everyone in the service at Life Church this morning. He's given me deliverance. He's given me restoration. He's given me another opportunity, a second chance, a dream, a promise, grace that we don't deserve. He's in the press. I got to hold on to what the Father has given me, and what's in me is going to come out of me. Jesus was in the garden. You know, if you study olives, and they grow on these trees, and back then it was common. You know how they got the, the olives off the tree? They would beat the tree. You pick up what I'm throwing down, they would beat the tree. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised. They would beat the tree, and when they beat the tree, 
the olives fell off. And then when the olives fell off, they would put it in a press. This press was this round thing with these, with these two sticks sticking out on both sides. And what would happen is they'd place the olives in the press, and they would begin to walk around the press, and it would smash. It would smash. I mean smash the olives. So every ounce of oil that was in them came out of them. Talk about Jesus. He was crushed. He was bruised. But he said, listen, I have to hold on to what the Father gave me, and I can't settle for a moment of compromise because now I'm risking destiny. What's in you will come out of you. Too many times in life we've had Esau moments. You know, the biggest thing we've been getting all week was, oh, my God, you guys have been married for five years. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like this younger generation, like, oh, my God, you guys are so goals. What is that? Like, oh, God, you guys are, I love you. Yeah, God began to speak to me. There's a generation that no longer believes in godly marriage because they've experienced divorce. They've experienced affair. They've experienced brokenness. So they say, why even do it? Why even subject myself to that possibility? Because it wasn't witnessed well. You know what that does for me? That makes me love my wife a little bit more. That makes me pray, God, search me. Know my heart. Help me be a better husband. Help me be a better father. Help me be a better pastor. There's too much relying on this. I can't give in to a moment of compromise. I can't give in to a moment of temptation. There's already a generation that's skeptical about who you are. Help me, God, be a living sacrifice for you. Search me, though. Search me. Search me, God. And if there's any evil in me, get it out right now. You've got too much relying on you. Husbands, it may feel good in a moment. Your entire family destiny is riding on your shoulders. And you're one decision to make. Choose life or death. Woman of God, mother, your entire family's decision is resting on you. The Father has given that to you. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But what do you do in the pressing place, young person? You're one decision away from being so engulfed by peer pressure that you end your future before it even begins. I know it looks good in front of you right now, but don't forget in the pressing place what God has promised you. I'm about to die. Of what use is a birth part, a birthright to me? You know, the thing that, that really gets me, Tammy, is when people exist with no identity. Esau had no idea who he was. So I said this morning, I'm gonna dispel every lie of the enemy and I'm gonna remind you who you are. You are a child of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are bought with a price. You're not an accident. You're not a coincidence. You are marked with the seal at birth. You're not what your mother did. You're not what your father did. You are the one, my friend, who can break a generational curse. You're not just a mere effect. You're a part of the cause of what happens. When you go into the room, you don't just pick up the temperature. You're the thermostat. I'm gonna set the temperature in this bad boy. And because I'm here, the devil has no dominion. There was a car that 
meant to hit me, but because of who I am and the one I serve, there was a legion of angels who came and rescued me. The devil can't have rule and reign in my house. Does he know who lives here and resides on the inside of me? I can't give in to this moment of compromise. I'm fighting for my marriage. I'm fighting for my children. I'm fighting for my integrity. I'm fighting for my lineage. You can't have what the Father has given me. It's not for sale. You've got a full-time devil. You can't afford to be a part-time Christian. Well, we went to church Sunday. Praise God. So did the devil. I love you. I don't need you to like me. I just want you to love Jesus. So if I got to be the scapegoat and offend you, hey. Well, we were there. Yeah, but I care about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I care about the nights that you can't sleep. What do you do? I care about the way you relieve your stress. Are you turning to a bottle or are you turning to the word? Okay, hello, somebody. Can I just keep it real this morning? Are you making integral decisions when no one else is around? Have you ever given God the permission to search you, the crevices? Are you just living off the merit that you've won within yourself? Have you really embraced the grace of God? Once you do, it reminds you how small you are and how awesome he is. I could care less about a facade and being put together. Hell is too hot to have people think that I'm okay. So if I scream during worship, thank you, Jesus. If I cry during worship, thank you, Jesus. Because I know what it looks like to be in a present place. And what's in you will come out of you. Worship team, I'm going to call you back to the platform. Because what happens in that pressing place is there's a war going on between flesh and spirit. And there's famous verses that we love to read in the Bible. Galatians 6 says this. In Galatians 6, in, in verse 8, it says, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please spirit, from spirit they will reap eternal life. Here's the verse we love. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap harvest if we do not give up. When you're in the pressing place, whatever you've been sowing is coming out of you. If you've been sowing in wrath and malice and anger and unforgiveness, oh, please believe, it's coming out of you. Love the Lord your God with all your... With all your what? Heart, with all your what? And with all your... Okay. None of those are separate. They're all intertwined. So you can't have an issue in your mind that doesn't go to your heart and goes to your soul. Hello, somebody. Well, I love God, but I just hate my family. We don't talk to each other. Heart, mind, soul. It's all interchanged. What's on the inside of you? What issues haven't you dealt with? Who haven't you forgiven? Why are you preaching this? Because in the New Testament, when Jesus heals people, you know what he says? Be made whole. Not be 99.7% and call it good. He cares. The small thoughts. The stuff no one else knows that plagues you. He cares. What's in you comes out of you. At the age of four, this was a reality. It was at the age of four that I found out my father had full-blown AIDS from IV drug use. It was that day 
that changed my family's life forever. It was at four years old. It was the last known recollection that I have of living in the house with a dad. I'm 30 now. That was 26 years ago. And prior to my dad marrying my mom, he battled heavily with drugs and alcohol. He gave his life to God. He sobered up, married her. Then life began to press him. But there were still some nooks and crannies and crevices in there. And because the pressure of life got too real, he began to get back on drugs. But this time, he forgot about the birthright, and it cost him too much. It cost him his marriage. It cost him a relationship with his one and only son. It cost him. And just since I've been 26 years old, that we have relationship. And the thing that kills him the most was all the years he lost because of a decision. A decision. And it wasn't that he didn't love God. It wasn't. It was just that, I don't know if he had one of those moments where he could be like, God, search me. This is a humbling space. You know why? You don't know what you're suspect to. Well, I will never. The devil is a lie. Let the right thing happen at the right time. I will never. Okay. It's not for sale. Your calling is not for sale. Your purpose is not for sale. Your family is not for sale. Your history is not for sale. Come on, your anointing is not for sale. Your destiny is not for sale. You can't quit, man of God. There's too much writing on you. Woman of God, there's too much writing on you. Your children are watching you. Mom, dad, show me this thing called God is real. And how will I examine that? By how you act in the pressing place.